Are you wanting to live a life with more clarity and happiness? I'm Tammy Hill, a licensed marriage and family therapist, certified sex educator, wife, mother, and grandmother. I am also an optimist. I strive to live my life on purpose, with purpose. I'm here to inspire people to do the things that inspire them. Live Your Why means to align your core values with the way you want to spend your time. Living My Why includes bridging the gap of understanding sex as both a sacred marital act and as pleasurable, passionate energy that adds zest and happiness to life. I want you to embrace sexual joy without shame. Integrating your sexual nature for goodness will bring you strength, joy, and peace. Join me this season for the Live Your Why podcast, and together we can live a life full of passion and purpose. Hello, this is Tammy Hill. This is the Live Your Why podcast. Oftentimes we talk about desire in marriage and the discrepancies with desire, one being high desire, the other low desire. We're going to talk about desire with Dr. Laurie Mintz today. Particularly, we're going to address the question of how does a high desire wife work it out? Listen in today to the Live Your Wife podcast. Hello, this is the Live Your Wife podcast, and this is Tammy Hill. I'm very excited today to invite Dr. Laurie Mintz to my program. She is an author, a researcher on female sexuality, and today we're going to talk about help for the high desire wife. Laurie, thank you for joining me today. It's great to have you here. It's my honor. Thank you. Thank you. Will you tell us a little bit about yourself, please, and why you decided to study sexuality, especially female sexuality? Sure. So I am, I have many hats. I was a professor at the University of Missouri for 21 years, University of Florida for 11. I'm now retired from that, but I taught both graduate students counseling skills and I taught classes in the psychology of women and the psychology of human sexuality. I'm also the author of two books, both aimed at empowering women sexually becoming cliterate, why orgasm equality matters and how to get it, and a tired woman's guide to passionate sex. I also do speeches and CE workshops, etc. So, and I have a private practice. So I'm I'm busy. I'm a therapist, a professor, an author, a speaker, but all on female sexuality. So that leads to your why. Why female sexuality? Because in my years as a therapist and a teacher, what I have found is that so, so, so many women are suffering and they're suffering in shame and in silence with a variety of sexual issues, be that low desire, high desire, inability to have an orgasm with a partner, sexual pain. And so many times these issues are so painful, but so secretive, and they have such an impact on overall well-being. We know that sexual satisfaction is correlated very highly with marital satisfaction and general life satisfaction. So it's my personal mission to empower women 
sexually, but not just because of sex, because of the tentacles that that has into the rest of their lives, the positive Mm. tentacles, I should say. I love your passion. Empowering women with sexual knowledge so that they can have lives that are more satisfying and happy. I I think that's a lot of what my mission is as well. So thank Great. you. So your book that's entitled Becoming Cliterate, Why Orgasm Equality Matters and How to Get It. Tell me about getting the title Becoming Cliterate or the word cliterate. I think that's so clever. How did that come to you? Well, thank you for that, but I can't take credit for it, actually. So I originally was going to call the book Closing the Pleasure Gap, pretty basic. But Mm -hmm. in the proposal, I used the word clitoracy and clitorate, which is a word that I took from Ian Kerner, who Mm -hmm. wrote a book called She Comes First in 2004, and it was in the back cover of the book, and I love the word. And so the editor who bought the proposal and published the book said, I love the book. I love the concept. I don't like the title. We need to use the word clitoracy or clitorate. So I thought, well, that sounds great to me, but it's not my word. So I called Ian and I explained the situation and he was incredibly gracious and said, the more people who are clitorate, the best, which is, of course, a play on the words literate and clitoris. And he said, use it. And so I did. Oh, that's that's so cool. I read his book and loved it, but I didn't catch that on the back page or the of it. So, okay. So as an advocate for orgasm equality, I guess we'll just start off with a question. If you could wave a magic wand and have women understand two or three of the most important issues regarding their sexuality, what would those issues be? Okay. So the first one would be very general. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to get more specific. And the general is you are fine, that you are not broken. Whatever you, as long as it's pleasurable and consensual, whatever you desire is fine. However you reach pleasure is fine. We have so many messages in our culture, right, about how we should reach orgasm, how we should experience desire. So I want to cut through that. And my first message is let go of all those societal myths, right? Mm -hmm. Accept yourself as you are. So my first message is very global. Then my next message would be sex is not supposed to be painful, It is supposed to be pleasurable. There's a lot of lore that sex is just something women endure. Pain is part of it. That's not true. And and so it shouldn't be painful. It should be pleasurable. So those are kind of two in one. I'm sneaking a little bit there with Mm -hmm. your three. And then the third would be, how do you reach pleasure? I really want women to know about their clitoris. Because we know it is the equivalent of the penis in terms of embryo development, in terms Mm -hmm. of erectile tissue. We also know that depending on the study and the way it's done and the questions that are asked, only 4 to 18% of women orgasm from sexual intercourse, penis and vagina sex. Yet, what do we see in the movies? What is the Mm -hmm. images? It's always a woman having fast and fabulous orgasms from penetration alone. So I want women to understand 
that clitoral stimulation is just as important as penetration. And we, we need to in, embrace our most reliable route to pleasure. Mm-hmm. So I love those. First of all, you're not broken. And whatever you need to feel pleasurable, and cons- if it's consensual, it's good. And you're not broken. Two is it's not good to have pain when you're having sex. It should be pleasurable. And three, understand your clitoral complex and how you can receive and learn about pleasure for yourself. Is that Absolutely. right? Absolutely. That's that's right. Exactly. Yeah. Good. So what I felt in my own clinical practice and in my teaching is that the more that women understand about their sexual bodies, the more they tend to desire sex. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yes, very much so. So, you know, we we talk, desire is such a complex and misunderstood mm-hmm. thing. So let's set that aside because I know we're going to dive deeper into that later. But basically, we know that for a lot of cultural reasons, I'm not blaming women and I'm not blaming men, that women have worse sex throughout their lifetime than men do. And more dangerous situations, more painful situations, more uh, lack of pleasure, orgasm. So I believe, as I know you do, that I really believe that if we were having better sex, we would want it more. Mm-hmm. Totally. Have you read Kelly Casperson's work, uh, You Are Not Broken? Yes, I have. And I've had lots of conversations with Kelly. Yes. Yes. I have. I also visited with her and I just love that book. She says the same thing. And I've, it's made me start thinking more about when a couple comes in and she's not, she's identifying or he's identified her as the low desire partner. Coming up with the question, would it be that you might have more desire if you were having better sex? And of course, the husbands don't really like hearing that question. But overall, the answer is yes. But how do we do that? Right? That's kind of what that's your whole work, what it's about. So today I wanted to talk a little bit about the high desire wife because most of the time it you know, we hear that men have are the high desire partners and women are the low desire partners. And in my community that's very Christian, women who are the high desire partners often feel a lot of shame or that maybe something's wrong with them if if this is the scenario in their marriage. So can we talk a little bit about what are some recommendations you might have for these women that that would label themselves as the high, as the high desire partner. Okay, first, can I take a step back and say desire is we don't even really there is no absolute level what's a right or wrong level of desire. And when we talk about high or low desire, it's always in reference to something, right? It's mm-hmm. usually it could be often low desire is referenced to our former selves. Oh, I have a desire less than when I was 18 or whatever. And high and low desire is often in reference to one's partner. And there is no like, so I want to say to this, these women, first of all, that you might be the high desire partner. And I'm not saying people should be in different relationships or leave. I'm just using a metaphor that if you're with one partner, you might be the high desire person. If you're with another partner, 
You might be the low desire person, even though your level hasn't changed. Mm -hmm. So what I want to say is your sexual desire level is fine, no matter how, what it is. Is it you want it once a day? You want it once a month? It is yours and yours alone. And it is that comparison to our partners that's the problem. And of course, then the way the compare that we need to, you know, cooperate, communicate. But what I find often is when women have lower desire, they're shamed like, oh, you don't want it enough. Mm-hmm. And when women have higher desire, they're shamed like you mm-hmm. want it too much. So my first my first piece of advice is stop shaming yourself. Let's just accept what your desire is. Maybe not even label it high or low. It just Mm -hmm. is. And then we can talk about how does it match with your partners? How do you compromise rather than high v low? Because that has value judgments generally when we're talking about women. Right. So what do you say? How do you help these people match? Yeah. So communication and cooperation, to me, desire differences, dealing with that is no different than dealing with something as mundane as I don't want any to have meat in the house because I'm a vegetarian and my favorite meal is steak or Mm -hmm. differences around child rearing and discipline. It's the same thing. We need to talk about what we want, why we want it, why it's important to us, and hear each other, and then reach a compromise. Mm-hmm. I agree. That's important. What are some suggestions that you have or ideas you have to help ladies develop more of a healthy sexual uh, attitude around their sexuality? First of all, bye-bye shame. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. <laughs> Goodbye shame. And that's easier said than done. So letting go of shame, embracing knowledge, learning about your sexuality, learning about the clitoris, learning about desire and mindfulness. We know a lot of women have sexual problems because during sex, they're up in their head. Am I Mm -hmm. doing it right? Do I look okay? Is he satisfied? And the antidote to that, as Lori Brado's work has taught us, is sexual mindfulness, putting your mind and body in the same place. Now, all these things are not easy. Letting go of shame, learning mindfulness, or educating yourself about the clitoris. So these require work but and dedication and time, but they're really well worth it. Mm, so important. Do you have resources for where women can find information about no, getting rid of shame or learning more about the clitoris. Of course, your books are wonderful about that or about mindful uh, sexuality. So in terms of shame, I don't have a book off the top of my head, but I think just immersing yourself in sex positive literature in general will help you let go of shame. And in terms of becoming orgasmic, I recommend my book, I'd also recommend For Yourself. It's an old classic, Lonnie Barback's book. I'd also recommend Betty Dotson's work, Sex for One, Sex for Two. And so those are great books in terms of getting to know your body. 
And then mindfulness, I think Lori Brado's Better Sex Through Mindfulness workbook is the way to go. That is a good one. I like that too. All right. We're going to take a little break with Laurie and come back. And I want to role play a few scenarios that maybe I see regularly in my office about high desire wives. Hi, I'm Hank Smith. And I'm Tammy Hill. Many of you, including countless young men's and young women's leaders, have requested that we do another teen dating boot camp, similar to the one we did last year. As professors at BYU, we have seen the many challenges that students experience when it comes to making friends and dating. Tammy and I think that so many of these struggles could be eliminated if these students understood some of the basics for having successful dating experiences. Hank and I looked at our calendars. We found one day, literally one day, that we could both come together for this event. And do you know what? It happens to be an extra day in 2024. We're actually going to host this on Leap Year, February 29th. So get ready. You don't need to feel clueless about dating any longer. We want to help you grow your inner confidence to make friends and learn how to navigate the teenage dating world. So this February 29th, Leap Year, join Hank and I for the ultimate teen dating boot camp. Make 2024 different. Figure out how to socialize and have fun dating while holding on to your core values. There's no need to wait another four years or until the next Leap Year to figure out how to date like a boss. Purchase your tickets for this virtual event at TammyHill.com. Come as individuals, friends, families, or even as a youth activity. Just come. We want to help you unravel the mysteries of dating so you can more easily make friends with people your age. Once you get your ticket, Hank and I will send you a link for this virtual boot camp to be held Thursday, February 29th, 2024, from 6 to 8 p.m. Mountain Time. Come learn with us. You don't want to have to be confused when it comes to dating. Hi, we're back. This is Live Your Why, and I'm with Dr. Laurie Mintz. Laurie, I'd like to role play or maybe just present a scenario to you that I have seen and have you respond to it in a way that you would as a clinician. Help us know how, how you think you would help a couple manage this situation. The wife feels that his lack of interest sexually is totally due to her being undesirable. Mm. I see that commonly, right? Both sides. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, again, everything I would empathize, first of all, that's a terrible way to feel. To feel undesirable feels awful. But I would also educate her that most times a lack of desire on a partner's part is about them and not about you. And I would give the many causes for that, their own health issues, their Mm -hmm. own sexual insecurity, their own performance anxiety. And I would talk to both, honestly, the way I would deal with it, you know, that's with the, the wife. What I would do is I would probably have a conversation alone with the partner. Because when I do couples counseling, I often see each individual alone And I tell them, this is not confidential. We're not going to keep secrets, but we do have to be able to have an open conversation. And I would talk to the partner. I'd find out what's driving their low desire. And I would bet my bottom dollar that nine times out of 10 or more, it's not a lack of attraction. And then I could bring them together and talk about this. Now, 
I'm not saying there aren't ish times where I will discover a lack of attraction for whatever reason. I had one couple ones where the man told me that he didn't like the way his partner smelled, not her genitals, but in general, she didn't, she didn't have great hygiene. It was such an easy fix. He went years without telling her this, you know? So, you know, so I think, you know, that's how I would deal with it. Right, right. So visit with them maybe separately and then help them have that conversation together. All right. The the wife wants to be respectful to the husband's needs, but feels very resentful that she's always the initiator. This dynamic is totally different than she expected it would be. She thought that he would be the one that was always initiating. And I would, again, like these are, these are conversations. Like I'd want to dive deep. How do you initiate? When do you initiate? How do you feel when you initiate? What would you like his initiation to look like? I'd want to talk to him. How do you feel when she initiates? What's stopping you from initiating? And again, I'd like to get some more information and then use that information to have them develop a behavioral plan about initiation. And, you know, there's so many creative ways we can do it. You know, what's your ideal frequency? Is it once a week? Then alternate who initiates. This week's your responsibility. The next week's the next. Or let's get rid of initiation altogether because frankly, Initiation doesn't generally work in long-term partnerships because what happens is one person may be interested when the other isn't. And then there's a lot of feelings of rejection and, you know, that. So a lot of inter- one intervention I use with a lot of my couples is, especially with desire discrepancies and initiation issues, let's decide our ideal frequency And let's have what I don't like the word scheduled sexual encounters. People go, oh, I use the word trysts. It's a planned meeting between lovers. Hmm. And we know that trysts, when you put this on the calendar, what happens is the high desire person getting back to desire knows I'm going to have this. And so I don't have to be pushy and initiate all the time. And the low desire person gets his or her body ready. They save energy. They, you know, maybe they read something that that arouses them before. So that would be another way I would deal with it is let's get rid of initiation, you know. Mm -hmm. And also we know people often initiate when at night, when you crawl into bed. (laughs) Most of us are pretty exhausted at night. Mm -hmm. That's the worst time. And our testosterone levels are lowest at night, making us less receptive. Well, I didn't realize testosterone was lowest at night. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. That does make a big difference. I always just thought it's I'm I'm exhausted. I've been up for 14 hours. (laughs) Trist, I love that word. That's creative. That sounds a lot more fun. <laughs> it is a lot more fun. Yeah, it's it's. I used it in my first book, A Tired Woman's Guide for Passionate Sex, which is about diminished desire in women. 
And, you know, I have this protocol, I called it five T's and a bit of spice. And one of the T's were like thought, talk, touch, time, and trysts. All things to make sexual encounters better. Yeah, that sounds more playful than scheduling sex. Yes. What happens if the husband just feels like he wants her to back off? He's just always pursuing me or it can be vice versa. But because we're talking about the high desire wife, I'm putting it in this particular framework. But he feels like she's just always after him to have sex. Okay, so and it goes both ways. It's very similar to the last scenario. Like what bothers you about that? My guess is it might be I'm too tired sometimes. I have performance anxiety. Right. What bothers you about the initiation? And how could we work through those issues? Again, to me, if he is interested in sex at all, I'd sit them down. What's your ideal frequency? What's really interesting to me, Tammy, is... I have so many couples, they identify as high desire, low desire. They're having these issues. I sit them down. I ask, what's your ideal frequency? They're pretty close, usually. (laughs) That it's, it's not, they're not that far off, you know? And so that's when, okay, you two are not that different. Let's, what, when could you have a tryst? It, could it be on Saturdays when grandma takes the kids, right? You know, I had one couple, they used to go out to dinner once a week. So I was like, we kind of came up with, you're spending the money on a babysitter and a nice dinner. Why don't you spend that money on a nice hotel room, pack a picnic, bring some candles, bring some music, bring some bubble bath, you know, and have a tryst. And it worked Mm. wonders. They had a weekly date that, and they enjoyed it a lot more than their dinners sitting across from each other talking about problems and having the tension around we never have sex between them. Right. Great suggestion. Really great suggestion. As we kind of wrap up here today, are there any other little tidbits of information that you think are just really important for people to understand that you would like to share? Yeah, well, this is not about the high Desire spouse being a woman, it's about the low desire. So is that okay? Sure. Okay. So what I want women to know is there's more and more research coming out about how being tired and stressed and caring more than your share of the household and child labor diminishes desire. And I want men to understand that chore play is foreplay. (laughs) And that, you know, I often say to some of my clients jokingly, like, if you want more sex, do the dishes more. Mm -hmm. And there are some, we don't have a lot of time, but there's some, it's not just time. There's actually some complex biological things that happen to our sexuality when we're under chronic stress and busyness. So what I want to say to everyone, high desire, low desire, I know it's hard, life's busy and stressful, but taking care of yourself, eating right, exercising, sleeping, those things are going to lead to both being more centered 
and having more desire and more responsiveness. Mm-hmm. That's such valuable advice. Thank you. And I heard your why at the very beginning about you passionate about helping women claim their sexual happiness. And I I love that. And I think you're doing such a great work with that, Laurie. Thank you for joining me today. It's been a pleasure to be with you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you. Thank you. 